Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. everybody. I am Pastor Lauren and I am honored to be here with you guys today. Yes. Makes me feel a little less nervous when people respond. So feel free to hoot and holler. I love it. All right. So today we are starting our Advent series and we are kicking it off. But can you believe Christmas is five weeks away? Yeah. No. If you haven't started your shopping, start soon. Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. It's okay. I haven't started my shopping, so you're not alone. You're not alone. But our new series is called Advent, and maybe you're like me. An Advent Keller might have shown up at your house this week. Um, My aunt actually sent our son a little chocolate Advent calendar, or maybe you've seen it in movies. My favorite all-time Christmas movie, Chevy Chase, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It starts with them opening those little doors. That's their Advent calendar. They are anticipating, they are counting down to Christmas. But what does Advent mean? Maybe you've heard of that word, but you don't actually know what it means. Advent means the, yes, the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. So that arrival, the anticipation that we are waiting for, is a person, Jesus. Jesus is the reason for this season, and Advent is a time of reflection, of waiting, of counting, of that anticipation of what's coming, and it's for the greatest gift we ever could have received, which is Jesus, his birth. That is what we are celebrating, and Advent actually started in like the 1500s back in Germany, and it was a family celebration, and we thought that that was appropriate for us because you guys are our church family. We truly believe that we are meant to do life together. And so we are excited to be celebrating this Christmas season as a family together. And so we are going to be using this wreath each week to count down. Each week we will light a new candle to help us count down for that celebration, to be reminded of the real reason for this season, the greatest gift that we ever could have received for Jesus. So this week I'm kicking it off with hope, and then we'll go into faith and joy and peace all the way to Jesus. So, what does hope mean? What is hope? Hope means a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. 
There's an anticipation for a better future. There's an anticipation for a different outcome. And often when we talk about hope, there's a little doubt associated with it. If we're honest, like, I hope I get that promotion. I hope I fall in love. I hope it doesn't rain today and ruin our picnic. I hope so. If somebody asks you a question like, are you going to heaven? I hope so. Maybe, maybe. But there's that doubt associated with it. But here is the good news. Biblical hope is on a person. It is based on God. It is not based on these feelings. It's not based on what we might associate hope with, but it is based on a person, God. Biblical hope is more of a reality than a feeling. It's not only a desire for something good to happen, but it's a knowing that it will happen. It's not doubt that God is going to come and move. It's not doubt that God is going to do something. He is a God of yes and amen, which means that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And our foundation of hope is on God and his promises that he has always kept. That is something that we can stand firm on. Our God is real and he is good. And I would like to get a little amen here because he is the God of amen. Yes. And so today we're going to be celebrating and looking at this hope. And so the scripture that was read at the beginning, I want to go back to it and read just the last verse. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how God dearly loved us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There is no doubt, there is no disappointment in this hope. And these words were true thousands of years ago when they were written, and they are true for us today. God's word is alive and well, and we get to celebrate that hope. So my first point is that our hope is confident. Our hope is confident. And I'm not talking about arrogant confidence in ourselves, but it is a confidence in God. It's a confidence in his promises. It's a confidence in who he is, who he says he is, and what he will do. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Hebrews 11.1. We're going to read another scripture here. Let me turn. There we go. There we go. All right, Hebrews 11.1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is evidence of things we cannot see. This verse is talking about God's promises. This is talking about what we can be sure of. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. When we look to his word here in the Bible, we can have confidence knowing for sure that when our hope is in God, that we can be confident. A little over two years ago when I was 34 weeks pregnant, so a little bit bigger, um, I got a really bad concussion. Now, this wasn't just like a bump on my head. It was a 15-pound metal pole fell on my head. And thankfully, I didn't lose consciousness. And thankfully, things didn't turn out the way they could have. But for two years, I've been battling headaches. I've been battling dizziness. I've been battling all sorts of things. And the crummy thing about a concussion is one of those invisible things. I look okay, but on the inside, I'm not okay. And it has been hard. And in the midst of dealing with this concussion, I then had my son, and thankfully he turned out amazing, but labor was brutal. 
three days, not so fun, and then ended up in the OR because things took a really bad turn. And then I had to enter motherhood and figure out newborn life. And if you've never had a newborn, typically they don't sleep, so you don't sleep. Like I fully understand now why sleep deprivation is a torture tactic that people use. That's like a real thing that people do. Um, so I was navigating all of this. And if I'm being honest, there were a lot of times that my hope was lost. There were some dark days. And there were days that I was so struggling because I didn't know what to do. Like, why is this happening to me? Like, we had prayed for years for a son, and then he finally come. Well, we didn't pray for a son. We prayed for a child. Thankfully, God gave us a son. And he's here, but I am still struggling. Like, why is this happening? But God is amazing, and he put some people around me to remind me that this doesn't have to be my forever that we serve a healing God, that we serve a God of hope, that this doesn't have to be my forever. And if it is, if it is, that's okay because he is still good. And they reminded me how God has been faithful through my life. There are so many times where God has shown up when I didn't think he would, but he did. Because our God loves us so much. He is not a God of disappointment, but he is a God of hope. And my concussion could have been worse. I could have lost consciousness. Something could have happened to Dougie. Like the list goes on and on. And I am thankful. I am so thankful that it wasn't. And I am thankful for friends that have reminded me where my hope lies. They reminded me that I can be confident in God knowing if I have a bad day, he's still showing up. He is still there and he is still good. And to be able to stand in that confidence is hard. It is so hard when you are in one of those places, and I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if maybe you are in one of those hard seasons where you can't see the light of day. You are stuck in a tunnel, and like there is no light at the end, and you're just praying if you see a light, it's not a train coming for you. Like That is where you are at, but I'm here to tell you our God is good, and we can be confident in that. Our hope can be confident in him because he is good. And so to be able to stand on that confidence of our hope today, it helps us to look back and see how God has been faithful, because he has been. And so I want to go back to our Bibles, and I want to look at the story of a man who was faithful to God, and in turn completely changed the history of everything of humanity. And so we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament about a man named Noah. So if you want to read this story, it starts in Genesis 6, which is the first book of the Bible. So Genesis 6, and it goes for a couple of chapters, but I'm going to summarize it for you because it's kind of a long story. So picture this. Noah, man of God, going about his life. Got three kids, kids are getting married, life is happening. And all of a sudden, God tells him to build an ark. Now, mind you, he did not have the machinery we have, he did not have the tools that we have to build this ark. So, to give you some context, Noah's ark was about half the size of the Titanic. So, Titanic is like 900 feet, Noah's ark was about 500 feet, so roughly about half. I was a math major in college, so math is kind of my thing. Um, mind you, Titanic, they had not our technology, but they had more modern technology. It took them two years to build it. So Noah, this man of God, gets told, hey, go build this ark, take your family, just your family, 
and two of every animal. Two elephants, two hippos, two giraffes, two of every animal. Like, let's think about how many animals there are on the planet. Like, you go to a zoo. Zoos are pretty massive. Lots of animals. Put them all on a boat because there is a flood that is coming. It is going to rain like it has never rained before, and I need you to build this ark to hold all these animals and your family because you are the hope. You are the future of humanity because everybody else is going to be gone. So Noah, without a cloud in the sky, starts building this ark. And sometimes God gives us these plans and gives us these futures that we're like, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? There's no rain. We've never heard of that before. Like, that's not a thing. Like, why am I building this? Okay, God, you have been faithful for before. I'm going to do what you say, and I'm going to build this ark. And sure enough, the rain came. And sure enough, the rain came and came and came and came and came and to the point that that boat started floating. That boat came up into the water, and it was safe, and it was a place for them to rest and a place for them to be. And God was faithful. His past faithfulness motivates our hope for the future. When God tells us things, or maybe he hasn't told you things, maybe he has shown it through you other people or other things in your life, but our God is good and our God is faithful, and we can stand on that to look to our future. So my second point is this, our hope is for the future. To look forward, we have to look back sometimes. We have to look back and see what God has done, trusting in his character, trusting who he is so we can look ahead, so we can look to that future. And maybe you haven't seen it in your life. Maybe you are stuck in one of those valleys and you cannot see the hope You cannot see that there is a better future or promises that God has given you. But God has done it for Noah, and he did it for Jesus, and he has done it for maybe your friends or your family. And I think sometimes when we're in a valley, when we're in a hard season, this is why our community is so important. Because our community can pull us out of that darkness and remind us of the hope. And so sometimes we rely on other people's hope. We rely on the hope God has given other people to see that he is good and he is faithful. So when I was battling my concussion, like I said, it's kind of an invisible thing. And so it's kind of a weird club, I guess you you could call it, um, that most people don't see it. They don't experience it. I look fine. I look normal. And I am so thankful after two years, I got to meet a friend who had been battling her own concussion story for five years. She had been battling her own struggles of dizziness and fatigue and finding doctors. And let me tell you, our medical system is not the best, not the best. But she began sharing her story with me. She began sharing with me about how she found doctors that started helping her, that she went from not being able to be coherent in talking to talking in full sentences because our God works miracles and he does things. And sometimes we get to rely on that of others, seeing her story and hearing how God has moved in her life, providing the right people, the right places, the right things for her to go and do. That gives me hope for my future. It gives me hope. Maybe her story isn't going to be my story, but it gives me hope. 
He is a God of faithful promises. He is a good God and he wants good for you. And we can believe that he is good and we can believe that our hope is for the future. That there is a good God out there who loves you so much that he wants that goodness for you. And so I want to go back to our Bible and I want to look at the story of another faithful servant of God. And when he was having trouble seeing what was next, he was having trouble seeing what his purpose was and what was going on in his life, God revealed to him something that was kind of miraculous. So we're going to go back to what? See, let me find my scripture. Genesis 15. So back to the beginning. So Genesis 15 says, And then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. I don't know if you've ever tried counting the stars. There's a lot. Just recently we got to go visit my parents in Arizona, and it was one of the first things I noticed when we got out of the car. I looked up and I was like, whoa, kind of forgot how many stars there are. Like when we live in the city, you miss some of that. But there's a lot of stars, a lot of stars. And so I want to set the stage for you if you don't know the story of Abraham. He was 70 years old when God told him this. And his wife was barren. They had zero children. Zero children, 70 years old. And God says, you are going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. Huh? Excuse me? Normally, that means that you have to have a kid who has a kid who has a kid who has a kid, but we haven't had the first kid. How is this going to work, God? Like, can you imagine being in that age, being in that season of life, and God is saying, look to your future. I have good things for you. Believe. Abraham had a hope for the future. He had a hope in God's promises for his family, for himself, and little did Abraham know Jesus was going to be one of his descendants. Jesus, you are a 70-year-old man who has no children, and somehow that is going to lead to Jesus. And Abraham did not live to see that, but God fulfilled his promises. Abraham had more descendants than stars in the sky, and that is a lot of people. But it led to Jesus. When we are hopeful for our future, when we have that hope in God, It can lead to good things. Our God is good. He is not a God of disappointment. And so this leads me to my third point. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus is our hope. With Jesus, we have a new kind of hope, a living hope. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins, for our life. He is the Son of God the perfect son of God that came and lived a perfect life here on earth. He was nailed to a cross, a spear put into his side. He was gone, laid into a tomb to be. Three days later, that stone was rolled away. The tomb was open and Jesus was nowhere to be found. Jesus was alive. He is our living hope. He rewrote what hope meant and we, we get to live in that hope, in the hope of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. We can be reborn with Jesus. And our hope is not just for here on earth, but it is for eternity. 
We have a hope for a completely different kind of future than you can even imagine. And I know, I know this might sound too good to be true. You're like, I've done some things, like, that's not for me. Jesus would do it again just for you. I want to say that again. I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. He would do it just for you. Just for you, he would come give his life for you. God created a perfect world. It was called the Garden of Eden, and then sin came into the world and messed it all up, and we were separated, and Jesus brought us back. Jesus hanging on that cross was the bridge back to God. Our hope is in Jesus. We can be confident in our hope. We can have a hope for a future because of Jesus. I want to go back to the scripture and I want to read the scripture from the beginning of our time together. Romans 5, 1 through 5. All right, I'm giving up on the Bible. Um, not giving up on the Bible, but trying to find things in my Bible. <laughs> um, Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ in our Lord has done for us, for you, for me, for all of us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Will not. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Jesus has given us a hope that will not disappoint. Maybe you have family that disappointed you. Maybe you had friends. Maybe you had an ex-spouse, somebody, a boss. People on this earth will disappoint you. Jesus will not disappoint you. This hope is not doubtful, but it is confident. This hope is not just for today and tomorrow, but it is for a future. This hope is Jesus. And this hope is is for all of us who believe in him. This hope can be yours. It can be mine. It can be renewed. It can be reborn. And when Jesus died, it says he gave us his Holy Spirit to fill us with love. His Spirit dwells in those who believe, and it is a gift to be with him. It is a gift that all of us can have when we accept Jesus as our Savior and commit to following him. All you have to do is ask him into your life. All you have to do is submit your life to him, to follow him wherever he may lead you. And so I want to take a moment right now to pray. If you have never prayed this prayer before, maybe God is stirring something in your heart and you are feeling a longing for that hope. You are feeling a longing, like we sang earlier, about a heart that is so desperate for him. He is the only one that can fill it. So whether you are coming back to him or it is your first time, I would like to invite all of you to pray with me for that hope to be restored. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you so much that you love each and every one of us. And if you're going to pray this prayer with me, I want you to repeat after me. I now turn away from all the bad stuff in my life of anything 
that comes to mind, any sort of sin or anything that is separating you, any sort of doubt, anything, lay that at his feet right now and ask for forgiveness. We ask you, Jesus, to forgive us of anything that is not from you. And we say thank you that you died for us so that we could be forgiven and set free. We now receive your forgiveness, Jesus. We receive it and we put our trust in you. And we ask that you come into our hearts and be with us. That your spirit fill us with your love forever and ever. We thank you. Amen. Before Jesus died, he had what they called the final supper with his disciples. And while he was at dinner, he shared with them a preview of what was to come. They didn't know what all of this meant. Now we get to look back. We get to be in the future and we get to look back and see. But Jesus was giving them a reminder of his sacrifice. And if anybody's doing the reading plan with us, this is a little preview of what's to come tomorrow. And if you're not doing the reading plan with us, I want to invite you to join us. The really cool thing about the Bible is you don't have to read it from cover to cover. You can pick it up somewhere in the middle, any place, and you can read it because it is a living word. We get that living hope from his word, from the Bible. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of our reading plan, you can go to the Connect page and you can join us today or tomorrow. You can pick it up. We're in Mark. But I want to read for you what Jesus said at the final supper when he was having his last meal with his disciples. In Mark 14, he said this. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. Jesus was talking about communion here. That's what we call this final supper with God. <clears throat> so today as a church, we are going to participate in communion. We are going to take time to stop and reflect about that sacrifice and be reminded that it is for all of us. That we get to restore hope in our lives or be reminded of the hope of Jesus in our life. And it is a time to check your heart. God is only concerned about your heart and what it is that you are bringing. It doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing. It doesn't matter what your family, your friends. It is about you and your heart. So if there's anything that you need to lay before him, if there's anything in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for, if there is something you know you're not supposed to be doing and you're doing it, today's the day to stop. Right now, in an instant, God can take away those desires. He can take away that pain. He can take away that suffering. Whatever it is that is standing between you and him, that price has been paid. And this communion is a reminder of that price. We don't enter into this time lightly. So I'm going to read one more scripture for you guys. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And I want to read this over you because you are my dear brothers and sisters. So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. 
For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Friends, you get to enter into that holy place because of Jesus. When Jesus came, he broke away any sort of old ways that were not truly the way back to God. Jesus is the way and the life, and we get to come into agreement with him. We get to come into relationship with him. And so if you prayed the prayer today, if you prayed to accept Jesus as your Savior, that is our only requirement to participating in communion. We believe that when you submit to follow Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you get to come into communion and be reminded of what he has done for you. And so some people are going to come forward in just a minute, and they're going to pass out these cups for you. And so when you peel off the top layer, see if I can do this without making a mess on the carpet. There we go. There is a little wafer in here. And this symbolizes that bread, his body that was broken for us on the cross. This serves as the reminder of the sacrifice that he paid for you. And then when you peel back the second layer, there is a little bit of grape juice in there. And that is a reminder of the blood that was shed for us. That when we accept Jesus into our life, when we commit to following him, we get to be reborn with him. We get to be renewed with him, that our hope is in him. That we get to be confident in who he is and what he says about you, about your life, and what it holds for your future. That we get to be confident in our hope, that he is our hope. That our hope is not full of disappointment or despair, but our hope is in Jesus. It is a living hope. It is alive and well. And we get to celebrate that. As we are going into this Christmas season, we are reminded that God sent his son for us to be renewed with our hope. And so our worship team is going to come up and lead us in a final song. And I encourage you before you take this communion to take some time and to submit your heart to God to clear away anything that might be in the way of you and him having a relationship, that might be in the way of causing you anxiety or doubt. It might be in the way that is causing you some depression, or maybe you are stuck in one of those valleys and you don't see any hope. I am here to remind you that Jesus is our hope, that we can cling to him because he is a good God. He will not disappoint you. And so in your time with him, ask him to remind you of that hope. Ask him to remind you that he is your hope, that it is not of anything in this world, but that it is in him and that we can be confident in him. And so he can clear up anything that might be standing between you and him. And so I want to invite the people to come forward now. They are going to pass out these little communion cups to you. And I want you to just spend some time with God because he loves you so much and he is our hope. But I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go into this time of communion. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your son. We thank you that we can have hope in you, that no matter what is going on around us or in this world, God, that you are good and you are faithful. And we can stand on that confidently knowing that we have hope in you. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for your life and the sacrifice that you paid for all of us. 
We just love you and we praise you. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tekoa card on our Connect page, tekoachurch.org connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tekoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tekoachurch.org giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.